have a, we're part of a fellowship of churches around the world. And uh, this week, starting tomorrow, is an awesome, awesome time in our fellowship. We're blessed to have a home church that we go to every year. I've been going there for 16 years now every year to conference, sometimes twice a year. But it's tomorrow through Friday, and this is a good advertisement for next year for those that didn't get to go this year, that you'd make your plans ahead of time and be able to go because it's just a powerful. How many of you that are here have been? Let me see your hands. Still got some here that have already been, and um, some are going again, and some couldn't make it this year. We've got pregnancies and different things going on, some job situations. Um, but uh, we've got about 20 leaders and their families out this morning, so that's where everybody's at. A lot of people left yesterday, some left this morning, and then we'll, we'll be leaving after service this morning to get down there. Um, so it's going to be an awesome time, so we encourage you to uh, go next year, amen? One good thing is, if you can't go, is if you've got your notebook and, or your phone, write this down or put it in your phone, uh, vwonow.com is our home church website, vwonow.com. And if you'll go there, you'll find, uh, I think if you go to events, or they may have it in a different way, but you'll find it, Arena of Faith is the name of the conference. And if you'll go there, every service for the whole week, at, at the moment that it happens, will be live streamed. So you can, if you can't make conference, I know that this morning, uh, just to tell you too, we've got John and Ceci had their baby yesterday, Graciela, beautiful young baby, amen, beautiful, cute little baby. Um, so they're not here, and they're, they wanted to go to conference, and the baby almost was born in time, but not quite. So they're excited to be able to watch all the services. So you can't be there, but you can watch them online. And uh, so we're an hour ahead of Colorado Springs. So if it's tomorrow night at 7, that would be 8 o'clock our time. It'll start right at 8 o'clock. And I believe, Chris, they do the whole thing. Don't they do the praise and worship too? Yeah, the whole thing starting at the beginning of the service. So you can watch that and live stream that on your computer, your phone, or anything else. So that's the good thing about technology now today, amen. Um, So don't forget that. Be a part of it. And plan on going next year. I want to give a quick testimony this morning because last week, and we've had several. Joelle testified. Uh, Susan didn't get to testify because she's already on her way. But uh, last week, I think Sunday, I said, hey, if you can't go to conference but you want to, let's just see what God can do. And I've been encouraging you about that for a while. And uh, Joelle, that's right there, wave at him, Joelle. She gave an awesome testimony. Um, was it Wednesday night? Wednesday night about how she had just started a job. And she, she got new owners in her job, and she had told the, the prior owners, I want to go to, I have to go to this conference, so I'll take the job, but you got to let me go to conference. Isn't that cool for a teenage girl to be saying that, amen? Those kind of priorities at that age, amen? And so she said, she said that, and then a week ago, the, a new owner bought the place. And so the new owner came in and changed things and said she can't go. And so she was really upset. And we prayed, and she prayed, and the owner came back to her a couple days later and said, you can go, and here's what's crazy. This is a fast food restaurant. Here's what's r- r- ridiculous. And I'm going to pay you while you're gone. Nobody does that in a fast food restaurant. Nobody. I mean, it's hard to get your job to do that if you've been there for 20 years. Amen. So I said that because we have another family, which is Nestor and Priscilla's family, that really wanted to go. And uh, I wanted to have Danny come up here real quick. How many love Danny? Hey, ma'am. He's a, he's a future preacher right here. Come on up here so they can see you good. Get up here. 
And uh, he, he gonna be, he's going to be up here soon preaching one of these days. He's working on his messages. He comes to discipleship at 5.30 in the morning on Fridays. How old are you? 11 going on 30. Amen. So he, he comes, he's there at taking his notes and everything. And uh, about six months ago, maybe, maybe longer, he used to come up to me after services, sitting at the old church, and he'd ask me questions that adults don't ask me. And I'm like, who are you? You know, just these crazy questions from the message, you know. And I, I started to see that God's got a special touch on his life. So he, he wants to testify this morning how about what happened, how they get to go to conference. Okay. Oh, is it? Is it working? Okay, so, uh, so I was praying, and my dad told us that we might not go because um, we didn't have a room or anything like that, but then, yeah, he, he couldn't get off of work, and um, and so Dwayne told my dad about uh, that they let um, they open doors for uh, us to go, like to live in there, or some not live but stay in there for a while, but then um, and then so there was it was a Friday, and uh, Wednesday the whole week that I heard about I was kept praying to God just saying uh, please let me go I just want to go I just want to get something from there, and then. Um, when uh, it was a Friday, my dad was like, what have you been praying about lately? And I was like, uh, I've been praying about um, Joe and um, Brenda's uh, son and everybody who's sick and everything like that. And then uh, and I prayed that uh, my dad's boss would just say automatically, uh, you can go. I'll give you approval to go for a week. And he was like, go get this paper off my truck so I can um, so that uh, my boss gave it to me. And then I went to go get it. And I read it, and it said a week off, um, signed by his boss, and um, that he can go to conference. God is big, huh? All right. Go back to your class now. Kendra's going to be wanting you back there. Amen. <laughs> he, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, his daddy's over there smiling from ear to ear right now. Amen. <laughs> and mom would be too if she was in here. They're back there working. It's so awesome to see the childlike faith. Amen. That should encourage us as adults to just believe. Go to, go to your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to get into the Word this morning. We will be having service tonight at 6, so um, we're not canceling. We, we have service on Wednesday. Amen. I've got a, a great assistant pastor, Pastor Andrews. Amen. So the church, church will continue to go on. So don't miss the services while we're gone. Um, don't play hooky. Amen. Don't be the, cat, don't be the, the mouse that runs out while the cat's away. <laughs> and I don't, well, I don't want to be a cat either. I don't like that saying. Never mind. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. I want to talk about how many have ever heard the song "Amazing Grace." One of the one of the, if not the most powerful songs ever written. And uh, that those words, "Amazing Grace," how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And um. Just a powerful, powerful song. But I want to talk about grace because I think grace is something that that obviously can be abused like anything. How many have noticed in your life anything can be abused? Anything that's good can be used for the wrong reasons. And grace is one of those things. But as I've gotten older and, and I've been saved longer, one of the things that I have really, really learned to embrace and really understand more and really appreciate more is God's grace. And not, not in the sense of finding a way that I can abuse it. Not in the sense of 
just recognizing it to say, well, there's more, there's lots of it for me. But in the sense of just realizing how how lost I am without his grace. Just how how lost I am without that salvation that the Lord gives us. And so I want to pray, pray this morning that by the time we're done, um, you'll have a better understanding of God's grace. You'll have a better appreci- appreciation of God's grace. And one of the things that I believe and I've learned over the years is some people use grace uh, as a, and really grace is unmerited favor. It, it basically means it's something given to you you absolutely, without a doubt, do not deserve. That's what grace is. And over the years, uh, 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 thousands of years, people have taken God's grace and the, cr- the grace of Jesus Christ on the cross and sometimes used it as almost as a license to sin, almost like, hey, I'm saved by grace, so here's my license. You know, you get pulled over by a police officer, you show them your license to drive. You know, you have a license to be able to break that law. And so kind of sometimes as Christians, we can get to where we can go to another extreme and pull that grace card out and, you know, say, hey, I'm saved by grace, so I can do this or I can do that. I don't believe that that's why God gives us grace. I believe God gives us grace not so we can sin, but for when we sin. Not so we can fall on his grace, but for when we fall, his grace gets us back up. Amen. How many believe that this morning? That's, that's what his grace is for. As you're there in 2 Corinthians, we're going to read in a second, but I want to read a quick story. It's really powerful. It says a story is told about Fiorello LaGuardia, and he's an actual real man. He was the mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression uh, in World War II. And he was called by adoring New Yorkers the little flower because he was only five foot four and always wore a carnation in his lapel. He was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid uh, with the police department, take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and read the funny section to the kids. One really cold night in January of 1935, it's a true story, the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest ward of the city. LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening, and he took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. Now, remember the times that they were living at those times. She told LaGuardia, that her daughter's husband had deserted her. Her daughter was sick, and her two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper, sorry, from whom the bread was stolen was at the court night that night and refused to drop the charges. He said, this is a really bad neighborhood, Your Honor. The man told the mayor, this is a really bad neighborhood. She's got to be punished so that the people around here will learn a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman. He said, I have to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. He says, I give you $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He took out a a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero saying, here is the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, listen to this, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where I have to do something like this to somebody. He says, 
for, for, for living in a town where a person has to steal bread for her, ch- her grandchildren to eat, I fine all of you 50 cents each. The bailiff collected the fines, gave the $47.50 to the defendant. And when it was turned over to the lady who had stole a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren, 50 cents of that amount was being contributed also by the red-faced grocery store owner. While some 70 petty criminals with, with traffic violations and New York City policemen each have paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, and then the mayor get, got a standing ovation in the courtroom that night. That's a picture of grace. Unmerited grace. Amen. That's a picture to me of God and what he did for us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and give me an amen if you're there. Paul writes this, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to underline that in your Bible this morning. My grace is sufficient for you. How many believe that this morning? My grace is sufficient for you. And he says, for my strength is made perfect, verse 9, in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, anoint your word this morning. Thank you for bringing all these men and women and teenagers and children into your house this morning. Just just speak to us this morning on this Sunday morning. Give us a revelation of how powerful your love and your grace is this morning. Father, we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want to read this again. I don't usually read things twice, but I want you to start back at 7 with me again. But before we do, I want you to get the picture. This is a man who is very, very intelligent. This is a man who knew the law. Paul is somebody who who could quote Scripture back and forth. Paul is somebody, in another verse, it mentions that he is the highest of the highest. He's born to born into royalty in the Jewish uh, uh, family. He, he's, he knows the word of God. And, and it got to a place where Paul, Paul was being used by God, and so much so that it was possible that Paul was beginning to get a big head. I mean, no, we all have to fight and battle pride, all of us. All of us have to fight that and battle that. And, and you might not even think that you have it, but we all have to battle that. Pride is, is a destructive thing. And, and anything where we begin to think, well, I'm doing this, this is because of me, is where it's dangerous. And Paul, obviously, through these scriptures, got to a place where he began to believe the hype of the people around him. I think that's one of the things that's sad nowadays um, in, in, in especially, listen, if that's in, if that's in athletics and, and, and singing and fame and all that, that's a different thing. But it seems like today 
even in the church world, some of the people that are on TV and have big major major event, uh, ministries and churches, I think that people adore them so much and talk about them so much and lift them up so much and tell them they're so good so much that sometimes if they're not careful, they actually begin to believe the hype. And they actually begin to believe that they are what everybody else is saying they are. Amen? And that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous place. Paul was getting to that place. He was probably hearing so many people talk about how powerful he was, how anointed he was, what a good teacher he was. We know that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so he's definitely a man who knew what he was doing, and, and God saw that. But he gets to a place where he has a revelation, and this is kind of what I'm telling you this morning for me. Over the last few years, I've really had a revelation. How many want a revelation this morning on things in your life? That means, you know what a revelation is? It doesn't mean it's something you've never heard before. It means all of a sudden it clicks and makes sense. Wow. It's like all of a sudden you've been looking at something forever, and then you see something that's been there, but it comes alive to you. And I think the grace of God has just been something that has come alive to me in the last few years. I've just really began to learn and understand what his grace is. This is what Paul is doing. So we read this again. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure by abundance of revelations, meaning he, he had been to heaven. He was, he was hearing, think about this. He, he's hearing God's word. This man is literally hearing the voice of God, and God literally has his hand on his hand, and he's having him write. Just think about how easily you could get prideful there. God is speaking to me. And he's giving him revelations of things. He's giving him, like if you think about uh, some of the things he saw, he said, he, he, he mentions in another scripture that a man, and he talks about it in third person, had been to the third heaven. Well, he was talking about himself, but he was being humble. He had been to heaven. He had seen things that he said, I can't even tell you what I've seen. And so he's having all these things happen, and, and, and probably all the disciples and all the people that are in these churches that he goes and visits, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, the Philippians, all these different places he would go preach. I mean, think about it. He was somebody that was mightily, mightily looked up to. And so he begins to have, obviously the Holy Spirit is teaching him and telling him, write this. But at the same time he's writing this, he's having a revelation to himself God, I understand why you're doing this. Now, listen, you got to get this. If you'll get to a place where you learn and understand why God is doing something in your life, it'll make it better. Don't be that person that's just always constantly questioning and always wondering why. Sometimes you just got to get to that place where you say, God, you're God. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense, but I know that your grace is is sufficient for me. Amen. And in my weakness, you are strong. Amen. That's that's what God, God wants us to be in that place where we just absolutely trust in him. So he says, I don't want to be exalted upon, above, uh, above measure by the abundance of revelation. Let's keep reading this. So he says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. You know what that means right there, church? That means, without a doubt, that we can have physical ailments, we can have things in our lives that God allows us to have to keep us in the place we need to be. And, and guess what? I'll take it. That's my attitude. 
We all have that. You might not recognize. Hopefully by the time we leave, you'll recognize. There's something maybe in your life you feel like, why can't I get over this? Why can't I, why can't, why do I have to carry this? Why does this stick with me? There's something that God allows to be in us where we never get to a place where we don't need him. It's just like a constant pain or a constant reminder. And it doesn't have to be physical. Uh, it doesn't even say here even that it was physical. But many people speculated over the years that he had problems with his eyes. Others had said he had problems with his stomach. There's different things. It's not even for sure it was physical. It could have been uh, some kind of uh, sin problem that he faced. Not that he lived in it, but some kind of temptation that he struggled with. All of us have something that God allows us to be in our lives as a buffer. Is that helping anybody? Something that causes us to understand, I can't do this by myself. I need God's grace. And then in the midst of that problem, you say, God, your grace is sufficient for me. So he says, I, I, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he, might, that he would depart from me. He's saying, God, take this thing from me three times. And after the third time, he had a revelation that God wasn't going to remove it. It was something he was going to have to deal with because it was something that God was allowing to be in his life so that he would stay humble. So then he says, my grace. So God didn't say, yes, let me take that away. This morning, sometimes you're looking for an answer. You're looking for God to tell you what it is that he's going to take out. You're like, God, remove this from me. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. God, I, I, I'm tired of this. My grace is sufficient for you. I don't know if I can handle this anymore. My grace is sufficient for you. And for my strength, for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So watch this. He says, I will gladly boast in my infirmities. And this is why they think it's physical, because it says infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Now, here's a weird statement. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. He's saying, I'm willing to go through these things because I know that God is my strength. I know that God is bigger than these problems. I know that God's grace is sufficient for me. Don't you want to be at a place in your walk that you just understand God's bigger than the problem you're going through and God's better than the problem you're going through and God's stronger than the enemy that you're facing, amen? Don't you want to be that person? I want to be that person that I know He's bigger. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may have mercy and find grace in time of need. Did you hear that verse? He says, let us draw closer to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. God wants us to have a revelation this morning that no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're facing, his doors are open. He's never going to shut the door and say, you're too bad, you can't come in. His doors are open. He wants you to come in. You know, think about as a kid, as a teenager, you, you've done something wrong. You need to confess it to your parents. Your, your parents are strict. Your parents are, are going to spank you. Your parents are going to punish you. You're afraid to go through that door and tell your parents what happened. But a good parent, even if they, if, if they discipline and they spank and they punish and they do all those things, a good parent is always going to have the door open and say, come and talk to me about this. We can come in boldly because he's a good God. And he says we can have confidence. Listen, this is what we've got to realize. We can have confidence 
that we will receive mercy and grace in time of need. Mercy and grace in time of need. What a great picture that was in that, in that courtroom. God understood. Now think about the gospel. God understood that she had broken the law. Period. It was very valid, very good reason. But he said, hey, you've broke the law. So I have to punish you. Now st- stay with this. This is the gospel right here. I have to punish you. So with, with our lives, we're born into sin, and because of our sin, God has to punish us. Are you with me? He has to because he's a just God. He can't change the rules. But then what did that police officer or that, 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 ju- that mayor do? He paid the price himself to set her free. He didn't break the law. He didn't change the law. He paid the price for her sin. That's what God did for us. God said, I can't can't change the law. You've broken it, but I can come down from heaven, and I can take your place on the cross, and I can die for you, and I can pay the price for that sin that you've done, that law that you've broken. That's grace. Did that mayor have to do that to that woman? No. He didn't have to. God didn't have to. But what does that great verse say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who would ever, whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick. i got just a couple more verses for you. I want you to read 1 Peter chapter 5. Powerful scriptures here. I don't think anybody in here likes suffering, right? Nobody likes it. But maturity in Jesus causes us to be in a place in our lives where we can embrace suffering. We can embrace it like Paul did. We can understand that when I'm going through something that's not good, I realize I need God. Think about it. If God never allowed things to happen in our lives that were wrong or bad, how would we ever know we needed God? Look at at how we are as a society. When everything's good, no one talks to God. And I'm just saying this generally. No one goes and spends time with him. No one gets desperate because everything's good. But let a 9-11 hit. Let a Hurricane Harvey hit. Let a terrorist act happen. Let something horrible happen. All of a sudden, all the atheists believe in God. All of a sudden, oh, God, help me, comes out of an atheist's mouth. Isn't it amazing how we turn to God when we need him? So God understands that's how we are. God understands how we are. He understands how we act. He understands how we think. So he says, sometimes I've got to allow you to go through something so that you realize you need me. Everything was good all the time. We wouldn't need God. So 1 Peter 5.10 says, after you have suffered a little while. Now, I do want to make a statement as I continue this verse. God does not make us suffer. God is not making us suffer. He's not saying, oh, I'm going to make you, I'm going to hurt you. No good parent makes their kids suffer. Okay? But a good parent will allow their kids to learn a lesson. 
a good parent will allow their kids to go through some things sometimes when, when they always want to pick them up or they always want to pull them out because if they don't, they'll never learn the lesson. And so God allows us to suffer a little while. And he says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's a good word. Amen. He'll confirm, he'll restore, he'll strengthen, and he'll establish you. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2 for the last set of verses I want to give you. And this is the most powerful right here. These are, these are the most powerful verses for this message about grace. How many know that God has a lot of stuff? All right? Does anybody else here appreciate the, the Denton, Texas skies? Does anybody else appreciate Dallas skies, this area, just looking up at the skies? I had a revelation just a few years ago from my brother-in-law. I love mountains. I love mountains. I've, was, I've been around mountains my whole life until I came here. I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico with a huge mountain. I lived in Tucson, Arizona for 18 years with a humongous, beautiful mountain. And then I went to Costa Rica for half of my life and lived there for 10 years with beautiful, the most beautiful mountains. And then we moved back to Denton where there's not even a hill. Matter of fact, our biggest hill is the trash thing down there in Carrollton. Amen? That's the biggest hill that there is. So I kind of was like, man, I, I miss the mountains. I wish I could see mountains. And I've kind of been like that for a while. And so I, 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 I just kind of was, was, was being sad about the fact that I didn't see him. And my brother-in-law came over several years ago. And he who has mountains around him all the time says, man. These are the most beautiful skies I've ever seen in my life. And he made me realize that I needed to start looking up. And, man, I, now every day I do it. Me and my father-in-law were driving around yesterday, and like the entire day that we were in the car, every hour or two, the clouds changed. Has anybody noticed that the clouds are just amazing here because it's so, it's so flat and you can see so far? So you learn to appreciate what's around you. You learn to see those things. And it's just, a, it's just a revelation where you understand how big God is. That he's just, sometimes it's like he's just up there with his little paintbrush just going. I mean, some of the clouds that are made don't even make sense. It's like, what are those doing? They just look good, amen? And so I'm saying that because this first part of this verse of Ephesians 2, verse 4 says, God being rich in mercy. Why do I say that? Because he's rich. God has a lot of stuff. He has amazing skies. He has amazing sunsets and sunrises. He, has, he owns everything in this world. He's, he's, he's amazing. And he says that same amazing God that he is, is he's amazing in his mercy. He's amazing in his mercy. He says because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. See, God is so different than us. You know what grace is? Grace is loving us when we're not lovable. I mean, it's easy to love somebody when they're your friend, and they give to you, and they're nice to you, but it's not so easy to love somebody who hurts you and talks bad about you and, and does things to you, but God loved us in our worst moment. Amen? God loved us while we were still sinners. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to become lovable. Does anybody know somebody that's not lovable? Amen. There's some people, you didn't raise your hand, but I saw your face. 
Amen. Somebody came into your mind and the little bubble above your head I just saw. Amen. There's some people that are very unlovable. And guess who, guess who, guess who they are? Us. We're unlovable. I preached last Sunday morning about we're the villain. We're the reason Jesus had to come and die on the cross. I shared something this week, and if you've never seen it, go watch it this afternoon and share it. It's a video called I Am Barabbas. It's one of the most powerful videos ever made. And you think about that ugly, wicked, horrible person that was Barabbas that was a murderer and a thief, and they brought him out, and he was ugly and snarly and mean, and they brought him out, and those people ridiculously chose for Jesus to die instead of Barabbas. That's us. We're Barabbas. And you can't, let me say this again, you cannot understand how powerful God's grace is till you realize how lost you are. You cannot understand his mercy until you realize how, uh, how much grace you don't deserve. We don't deserve grace. We don't because we're sinners. And I don't care how good you think you are, you're not good. The Bible, God, Jesus said, there is no one good but the Father. Amen? And so you have to allow these things to happen to understand and get a revelation of how powerful his grace is. So let's finish this. He says, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show, now this is crazy right here, the immeasurable riches of of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Immeasurable. That's a pretty powerful word. Not able to be measured. For by grace, listen, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. This is, underline that. This, that, that that's it. For gr by grace you have been saved through faith. For, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Does not say for by grace you have been saved through your works or through being good or through being better than good. or No, it says by grace you've been saved through faith. And look at this. This is not your own doing, it says. It says it is the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no man can boast. What does that mean? That means when we get to heaven someday and we're all together, we're at that reward banquet, nobody's going to be able to boast and say, I did this. That's why every knee will bow and every tongue will confess because they'll say, Jesus is Lord, and if it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be here. I want to close with, a, with another powerful story on the illustration of grace. There's a boy standing defiantly with his head cocked back and hands clenched. Sorry, I just skipped the page here, sorry. And he's in the principal's office. And he's ready to be whooped back in those days. Does anybody, was anybody alive when they still whooped kids? How many know they need to get back to that? We, it'll never happen, but it sure was, it sure was good. Amen. I'm not, 
I'm not saying there wasn't some bad people spanking, but society sure has changed since they took that away. So anyways, this boy is in the principal office, and he says, give it to me. I can take it. And the principal looks down at this young rebel and says, how many times have you been here? And the, the boy sneers and says, apparently not enough. So the principal gives the boy a strange look and says, haven't you been punished each and every time you've come? Yeah, I've been punished, if that's what you want to call it. He throws out his chest and says, go ahead. I can take whatever you can dish out. I always have. Carefully studying the boy's face, the principal says, are, are there any thoughts of punishment when you break these rules? Nope. I do whatever I want. Ain't nothing you can do to stop me either. The principal looks over at the teacher who is sitting nearby and says, what did he do this time? Fighting, he took little Tommy and shoved his face into the sandbox. The principal turns to look at the boy and says, why did you do that? What did little Tommy do to you? Nothing. I didn't like the way he was looking at me. Just like I don't like the way you're looking at me. In fact, if I could, I'd shove your face into something. The teacher stiffens and starts to rise. But a quick look from the principal stops him. He contemplates the child for a moment and then quietly says, Today, my young student, is the day you are going to learn about grace. Grace, says the boy, isn't that what you do, what old people do before they eat a meal? I don't need any of your stinking grace. And the principal says, oh, but you do. After studying the boy's face, he says, yes, you do. You truly need grace. So the boy stares at the principal, and, and grace, it says, he says in its short definition, is unmerited favor. You can't earn grace, my child. Grace is a gift, and it's always freely given. Grace means you will not be getting what you so richly deserve. The boy is not understanding about at this time. He says, you're not going to whoop me? You're just going to let me walk? The boy studies the face of the principal. He says, no punishment at all? You're not even going to punish me even though I socked Tommy and shoved his face into the sandbox? He says, oh, there has to be punishment. What you did was wrong. There will always be consequences for our actions. There will be punishment. Grace is not an excuse for doing wrong. I knew it, sneered the boy, holding out his hands. He says, let's get on with it. The principal nods toward the teacher and says, bring me the belt. The teacher presents the belt to the principal. He carefully folds it in two and hands it back to the teacher. He looks at the child and says, I want you to count the blows. The principal slides out from behind his desk and walks over to the child. The child stands defiantly with his hands outstretched. The principal gently moves the child's expectant hands to his sides. Turning to the teacher, the principal stretch out, stretches out his own hands and says, begin. The belt slaps against the principal's outstretched hands. Crack. The young boy jumps. Shock registers across his face. One, he whispers. Crack. Two. He raises his voice an octave. Crack. Three. He's unable to believe this. Crack. 
Four, big tears well up in the eyes of the young rebel. Stop. That's enough. Stop. Crack. The belt continues to come down on the principal's now swollen hands. Crack. The child flinches with each bow blow. Steers, sorry, tears start streaming down the child's face. Crack. Crack. No, please, the formal rebel begs. Stop. I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who deserves the punishment. Stop. Please stop, the boy sobs. Still the blows. Crack. Crack. Keep coming down on his hands. Finally, it's over. The principal, with sweat glistening across his forehead, turns to the formal rebel and kneels down. Carefully cradling the child's face with his swollen hands, he says softly, this, my boy, is grace. What a picture of the gospel. Amen? Can you imagine this morning if you could see Jesus right now taking those lashings on his back? Can you imagine this morning if you could see Jesus on that cross? How many, how many lashes across Jesus' back do you think it would have took for you to say, stop, please stop? If you've ever seen the passion of the Christ, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have made it. I'm not talking about I wouldn't have made it receiving it. I wouldn't have made it watching it. I've only watched the passion of the Christ once. I cannot watch it again. You know why we do that? You know why, you know why that was such a powerful movie? Because it makes us understand what he did. Because we're an out of sight, out of mind kind of people. What a powerful story, these two stories of grace. But we cannot just go through life and go through things in our, in our life, in our walk, and just, just, just kind of take that for granted and not think about it. That's what Jesus did. Undeservedly. Perfect. Never sinned, never did anything wrong, but he took our place. Grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. And until you realize how much of a wretch you are, you'll never understand how powerful his grace is. Father, thank you this morning for your grace. Un merited favor undeserved forgiveness Jesus I can never repay you I can never pay you back I can never make it right on my own that's why I put my faith in you you alone Lord are worthy of my praise this morning, maybe you're here and you think, man, I, I put that on his back. I did that to him. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need mercy. I need grace this morning. I want you to know the good news is his grace is sufficient for you. If you're here this morning and you've never called on his grace, never said, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, come into my life. The Bible says today is the day of your salvation, the acceptable day. All you got to do is receive it. Jesus didn't give us a choice. 
of whether or not he wanted us to die for him. He died. The choice he gave us was to accept it or reject it. That teacher was going to take those lashings whether that boy wanted him to or not because the punishment had to be paid for. You have to understand, Jesus didn't go to the cross contingent on whether or not we would believe in him. He went to the cross to pay the price that had to be paid for rebellion. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So Jesus had to do what he had to do. He did it with the hope that all humanity, because he said, I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to go into eternal life without me. I don't want anybody to go to hell. The Bible says hell is made for the devil and his angels. Jesus has a place for us. All we got to do is accept him. This morning, make sure that you accept him. Make sure that you believe on him. Make sure that you put your faith in him. Make sure that you trust in him this morning. And if you're listening online, say the prayer this morning. Jesus, I call out to you now. Jesus, I cry out to you on your mercy. I ask you to forgive me a sinner that needs a Savior. Put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross for you this morning. How many this morning could say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Just throw your hand up and put it right back down. That's me. I'm that sinner. I'm that one that needs saving. I need forgiveness. Maybe you're here and you've got a loved one this morning that you've been praying for. Let's pray that they have a revelation of the grace of God. Let's pray that they realize that they need that unmerited favor this morning. As we stand to our feet, I pray and hope this morning that, that you understand the wonderful, amazing grace of God. You know what the grace causes us to do? Think about that boy. We're going to open the altar in just a minute for anybody that wants to pray, sing a song of just worship and let that word get into us. How do you think that boy walked out of that office? I like how it said the former rebel. Because he had an illustration right in front of me, right in front of him of what he deserved. He probably walked out of that place changed. But the question is, how long did he stay changed? It's not about just hearing a good message at church, reading some powerful verses, and having our feelings touched. It's about on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday and next week and next month and next year, continuing to walk in that grace and being thankful for it. Amen. If you've got someone you want to pray for, if you've got some things you need to deal with with God on, if you've had a revelation this morning of his grace and you just want to thank him for it, we're going to open the altar for just a few minutes for anybody who wants to find a place and pray. You can pray at your seat. You can come down as we sing this song. Let's just, let's just let this word fall into our hearts this morning.